0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Red Sox Hot Stove Edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We've got a pretty loaded show tonight. Uh, Bloom was verbally attacked by an angry mob of Red Sox fans at Winter Weekend. We'll be going over that. Um, Some uh, stuff came out. Alex Cora talked about the status of, of... Christian Arroyo, Kike Hernandez. Uh, we'll go over some Chris Sale comments and then some minor transactions that the Red Sox have made. So should be a full show tonight uh, with me, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm doing better than anyone who went to that
1: winter weekend because what a crap show that was all around. Oh, my God. You, you couldn't pay me. To go to one of those events, I I I don't see the appeal
0: at all. You know what? I love chaos though, and I'm sad that I wasn't there to see it. (laughs) Normally, I feel like it would be pretty lame and stuff, but we'll uh, we'll be getting into plenty of that though. Also with us tonight, Cody Paulson. Cody, how are you,
2: gentlemen? How are we doing tonight? Good to be on here with you all, Uh, Jason. I agree with you. It seems like a lot of effort and a lot of Uh, just to go and and boo loudly because you're obviously not going to be able to get the opinions out that you want you're not going to be able to to give them the peace of mind that you you might have the things that you've been sitting on all winter but you know one of the good times it's been to be in texas to say hey man it's out of the cards can't even can't even think about it
0: again i uh it was just that was the talk of social media on friday night like on the verge of a, you know, a big NFL playoff weekend, lots of football going on. It just seems like as far as the Boston, uh, you know, social media landscape went, it was just all comments about Bloom and how, you know, he was basically sitting up on stage taking grenades. So let's go ahead and get right into that. Jason, what were your thoughts as that night unfolded?
1: Uh, I thought it was cringeworthy all around. It was maximum cringe from both sides, from the organization and the guys sitting up there to the fans that were there booing and yelling Dave Dombrowski's name. I will say the Dombrowski guy, that was kind of funny, but the guy who just in the middle of kind bloom trying to explain away all their failures, the guy that just yelled out last place was my favorite because ultimately that's, I mean, that is the most, you know, important thing from last year is you finished in last place. And they're sitting up there, you know, trying to just explain everything away. And they're trying to do these, like, backhanded compliments to the fan base where they're explaining, you know, from their side why they think they've succeeded. And like, well, you guys are smart. You know this. They they must have told the audience they're so smart, like, 18 times. It's like, yeah, we don't need to hear that we're smart. We know we're a smart fan base. That's why we're booing you. Um, so I thought some of the booing was... Deserved and was funny for like the first couple minutes, and then it was like, okay, like, did you guys really pay all this money to go here and boo Kyan Bloom and John Henry and just you know make kind of make asses out of yourselves? Like it, it got it got to be a little bit much from the fans. So I thought they ended up you know actually looking pretty uh, pretty pathetic at the end of that. But you know at the same time, Kyan Bloom's sitting up there talking about the Mookie Betts trade. And, you know, he's like, well, it, look, we couldn't sign him, and but we got Alex Verdugo. Doesn't mention the other two guys, funny enough, one of whom is no longer here. Uh, I Cheer guess he's Dallas. not a big... Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's not a big Connor Wong guy either because didn't bring up his name. But brought up Alex Verdugo as if, like, yeah, you know, Alex Verdugo, that's totally been worth it. And fans rightfully kind of groaned and, and booed at that. Um, it was just a weird scene all around with, like, Bloom trying to just justify himself and also sort of like, but also sort of talk down to the fan base. Being like, well, you know, guys, look, you know, he kept using the word, we have to make short bets, right? And, you know, those bets are going to pay off. And, like, what was it at one point he was talking about all the players they added after bets left? And he, and he mentioned Garrett Richards in there. He was like, oh, yeah, we, we signed Kike that off season and a couple of other guys and Garrett Richards. I was like, okay, don't <laughs> don't bring up that guy's name like, yeah, that guy's, it's okay. We signed Garrett Richards. remember that's like that's not what people want to hear. and he was just, I don't know it, he was just being a little too condescending for a guy who just finished in last place. and then to top it all off, he did he made the same mistake that all the bloom people do where he said, and look, you know, those bets that we made like it's gonna pay off even more in twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five and I'm like, oh, would you stop with this 2024-2025 thing? Fans don't want to hear that right now. They want to hear about the 2023 team. How's this team this year going to be? Because the fact that he keeps going back to that, the fact that he keeps going back to, well, in two more years, we'll be even better, it just tells you that he's so afraid to talk about this year's team, he probably doesn't have a ton of confidence in it, he's hoping that things work out, and the fan base is calling him out on it. So it was cringy from both sides and it just really left a bad taste in my mouth as a fan. Like I already kind of had that, you know, with all that's happened this off season with Xander leaving and Devers eventually did get signed. But like, it's almost like the fan base was emboldened by booing Henry at the winter classic. And they're like, Oh, let's just boo him all the time and they'll do what we want. It's like, no, they won't. They won't. And honestly, like this is, you look at this roster going into the season, we've talked about it. It, it doesn't look great, and I don't, I don't think the Red Sox are a playoff team. So it was, uh, it was a lot of cringe that winter weekend. And honestly, if I'm the Red Sox, I don't do one of those again. I just just call up Shaughnessy or someone and just do a sit-down with them. Don't, don't bring the unwashed masses of Red Sox fans into a building to boo you. That's just that was never going to work out well.
0: Go ahead, Cody.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a, a lot to take away uh, from from Red Sox Winter Weekend. Uh, you know, I think it pretty much went about as you would have thought, right? Uh, Red Sox Nation was going to show up. They were going to voice their opinions. We're a vocal fan base, as we should be, right? We've been, uh, we'll, you know, we'll say recently conditioned to greatness. Um, but what was Bloom and, and the ownership group supposed to do, right? They're not going to come out there and be like, hey, guys. Yeah, we whiffed. We went over 1,000, you know, but it was to your heart's content. Um, Jason, I think you nailed it right on the head. It, it was pretty cringeworthy uh, from the answers that Bloom and Henry gave. Uh, number one on my list was Henry saying that it's expensive to own a baseball team. Um, that uh, uh, off the heels of being the most expensive baseball experience in the league, like uh, maybe that's why we haven't heard from him more over the past couple of years because they're like, we can't trust this guy in front of a microphone. Um, another thing that was interesting to me coming out of the comments was you know obviously they never saw eye to eye on the numbers for bets um, you know all the story and the fallout that we we've seen the reports that have come out from it but he mentioned that they didn't think that they could feel the team around him to be competitive uh, at, at to be able to maximize uh, that contract right because he's saying hey you know you're really trying to win on the early end of these deals, right? It's that it's that rookie uh, quarterback conundrum, right? If you if you don't win on a rookie quarterback contract, you've pretty much missed your window. I mean, we were we were two games and a a bad ERA decision away from playing for a World Series, not but 18 months ago, or you know whatever whatever that timeline ends up being. Um, So this team has been has been competitive. I don't I don't know what Bloom was seeing, you know, whether it be in the pipeline, whether it be in the free agent market, whether it be in the trades. But, you know, there was definitely talent on this team. Um, So that to me was particularly puzzling, um, given the fact that, you know, there were still a lot of holdover pieces from that 18 team by the time Mookie left. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it just seems like a lot of money again, uh, a whole hullabaloo to to have no real progress. Right. You know we didn't get any answers that we felt like we wanted to hear from, from the front office group. And then obviously, you know, we're still giving money to an organization that we're, we've got some discontent for. So, uh, you know, maybe doing a sit down interview or, or something like that would be better, better in the future, especially if you're going to continue to kind of sit on the fence. Terry, what were your thoughts?
0: I don't blame the fans at all. And I know you guys aren't surprised to hear me say that, Um, you know, I, have been extremely frustrated, uh, for much of, of Bloom's tenure. I I think I was pretty fair in, in 2021. Uh, I wasn't too hard on him because we got off to this great start and then played above our heads. And then we kind of played below our ass for the last two months, but we had such a good enough start that we were able to limp in and, and, uh, you know, do a little bit of damage before we got, uh, you know, pulled out. But, I hate it when Bloom and and Red Sox ownership say we were two games from the World Series. Yeah, you you were, but the only guy you guys acquired that had an impact on that was Kike Hernandez at the time. That dude went off in the postseason. The two key pitchers that we picked up that year, Garrett Richards, uh, Martin Perez, had no serious roles whatsoever. You know, it was it was Heim Bloom basically getting there with you know Dave Dombrowski's holdovers. You know, Nathan Avaldi having a good postseason. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had a pretty decent postseason, and um, and that's it. And and then when you look at the moves Blooms made, he's drafted two guys of significance: Marcelo Meyer which was easy to do because he gave us Ryan Weber and Matt Hall and a bunch of other guys that were very forgettable in 2020 to, to be able to get a guy like Meyer um, with a fourth overall pick. And the one guy that seemed to be a, a good pickup was Nick York, and that's it. That's all he's done in, in four years. You've got Bayo, that's a Dombrowski guy. Casas, that's a Dombrowski guy. Rafaela, that's a Dombrowski guy. Uh, Brian Mata as well. So there's not a lot to show here for, for Hein Bloom. And then s- w- name some good trades he's made. Kyle Schwaber, I guess, but he couldn't have loved it too much because he didn't want to bring him back. Um,. There's been at least one more decent one in there, but most of them have been duds. Most of them have been duds. And uh, this just isn't the guy, this isn't the Tampa executive I, I thought we were going to be getting that was going to outsmart the entire AL East and pull off these amazing under the radar moves. And you just haven't gotten it. And I, I think Red Sox fans this weekend were frustrated. And basically bloom as jason pointed out kept saying wait till 2024 wait till 2024 because that's when all these guys are coming up it was a four or five year plan from the get-go red sox ownership would never admit that and neither would bloom but that's what we got that's what we got and even though that's what we got they said every year the luxury tax isn't a mandate we'll go over it if it makes sense um so it's it's frustrating because that's the type of rhetoric you're getting. So you have hope every offseason that we're going to do something of significance, and it just hasn't gotten done. And, you know, when, when Bloom keeps saying, you know, we, we're building for the future, I, I already covered everything. We haven't built much. We haven't built much. So I think Red Sox fans, uh, you know, I, I would have been – I would have been a big instigator if I was there. <laughs> and, you know, again, I, you know, I love chaos. So um, the thing to me, though, is what did they think was going to happen? Because they had to have been clueless because John Henry has been the most reclusive baseball owner in the last couple of years, hasn't given a formal interview in two years, no public appearances. He got booed badly uh, a couple of weeks ago at the, you know, the, the winter classic, whatever the hockey game is. I always forget the name of it. Admittedly, I'm not a hockey guy, but, um, but yeah, so he had to have been clueless. He had to have thought it was going to be pretty safe. And I think they got overwhelmed uh, pretty quick. And the other thing about Bloom is the tone in his voice was very embattled. He was he, he just seemed very embattled. He was trying to justify everything they've done, and I, I think that made it worse. I think that made it worse. If he would have went out there and was a little bit more humble, maybe maybe there there would have been a little bit of of calmness, you know, had he come across that way. But that's not what it was. And during the Devers conference, he he made it a point to go off on this tangent. Like, see, look what we did. We signed Devers, and and I, I know a lot of you are mad at us, but you know we're we're trying to do this and that. And in fairness, Bloom had a gun to his head, a metaphorical gun to his head, when that when that situation. You know, had to get dealt with this year. They had to sign Devers once they let Bogarts go. So, I, I just feel like I'm. I'm surprised that I didn't anticipate how how chaotic that weekend was going to be.
1: Yeah, I think the surprising part is because it was winter weekend. It's like that's the event for the the real diehards, but not the ones that are like yelling on Twitter. That's like the event for, you know, the the senior citizen Red Sox fans who have been, you know, watching their whole lives. And, you know, they're the ones who, when the team finishes in last place, they go, well, that's okay, just on to next year. And we still love the Red Sox and, you know, Go Sox and, they, you know, they, they got their Red Sox footy pajamas on. Like, I think that's why they weren't expecting so much hostility. It's, it's almost like a section of fans just decide, hey, we're going to go to winter weekend and stir some crap up. Because you know they just felt like it, um, and I thought it was weird. Like, okay, I get that John Henry is a recluse at times. He's in in Boston. He's the only owner who's more reclusive is the Bruins owner, who lives up in Buffalo, and you know hasn't spoken a peep in God knows how long, over a decade. Um, but John Henry's right after him. He's the only owner in town, apart from him, who like doesn't do interviews you know, never never makes public appearances, like he, he just he's always on his boat somewhere um, so I get that, but the booing of John Henry he did what he was supposed to do he signed Rafael Devers, he threw the bag at him, and he got him signed now he didn't sign Xander Bogarts, but you know, that's more of a question of you know, do you want an 11 year commitment to a 30 year old shortstop and we've talked about that on this show, like I'm actually glad they didn't sign that contract because I wouldn't have been happy with that so if you want to boot, bloom, I get that because again, he's, you know, you mentioned the Devers press conference. He said a lot in there where he's like, yeah, we're going to do this and it's going to be awesome. And he was talking about like the team contending going to the playoffs and potentially the world series this year. And it's like, you can't sell us that you cannot sell us that just because you signed a guy who was already here. That's the easiest job in the world to do. It's to sign your own superstar. You don't get credit for that. And we're not going to sit here and go, yeah, World Series back. Well, I shouldn't say we're not going to do that. There are some people on Twitter, some Red Sox fans, who literally said World Series back on just because they signed Rafael Devers. Um, but those of us who are actually intelligent and actually look at what's going on, we're not saying that. So he just he comes off as such a, like a, a fraud sometimes. And I don't think he means to. I just don't think he knows how to handle the market quite yet.
0: Yeah, and the thing with Devers and Bogarts is they took the worst possible path, you know, in negotiating with those guys, and Devers cost more than he would have a couple years ago, and, you know, Bo- Bogarts, you know, they, they insulted him last winter, so, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but I, I just found it hilarious that Henry thought it was safe to come out finally. And just just got absolutely uh, destroyed. It's just hilarious, Cody. Any more thoughts?
2: Um, maybe not necessarily off of off of Winter Weekend. I've heard some murmurs that uh, the front office is open to you know signing Cassis to an extension. And I've seen aspects of Twitter that have been like, "Oh, we can't sign Cassis to a long term extension." So then it's like, okay, well then, which side of the of the equation is it? Right? You're mad that we didn't get Bogarts done. Um, you know earlier, which I'm not disagreeing with. We absolutely could have gotten Bogart's done a year, two years, three years ago and avoided this altogether. hundred um, percent in that camp, I, you know, I don't think he was worth 11 to 85 or, you know, whatever that exact number was, but you, you can't, you can't play both sides of the coin and, and then just be mad in general. Like you got to either, you got to be okay with the, the Braves front office mentality of we're going to sign everybody for minimum wage and hope it pans out. Or you got to be willing to play this game where you might lose your stars. And so, in my opinion, pick a lane <laughs> and be consistent. But um, this this whole weekend played out as, as I thought it would. And it was just uncomfortable, I think, for all parties. But such as it should be, right? I mean, this is how you have changed, right? And and clearly, the past couple of years haven't gone the way um, we want them to, both off season and on the field. So if this is what it takes to get us back to winning ways, I'm here for it
0: i don't want henry and bloom to be comfortable though uh, you know if if we have a I tough agree. april and may uh, you know i want bloom gone i hope he's not the guy that's handling the trade deadline if we're if we're in the toilet because i think he's he's gone either way so i hope they don't drag that out um, typically, the, you know, executives do last uh, till just beyond the the trade deadline before they get the axe. But um, so I, I like that they're not comfortable, and hopefully, you know, hopefully that'll lead to some some better decision making. And uh, just real quick with Casas, I mean, if he has a good year, he definitely needs probably an extension. But I think now i think it'd be premature because somebody's getting fleeced if if you do it now because you sign him to eight years with like two options on the end of it that that'll be pretty expensive um that that's uh, that's how acuna's deal with the braves got structured but if you do that and he sucks we just fleeced ourselves but if you if you wait a year, I just feel like it, it makes a little bit more sense at that point. It's just been too small of a sample size, I feel like. So, but it's something that they will need to get ahead of, you know, at some point for sure. And, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see which way it goes. Hopefully he just goes off and, um, you know that I, I keep saying if I'm wrong and the Red Sox do make the playoffs, I have them at 78 wins. But if I'm wrong and we add say 12 more wins on top of that, a big part of that will likely be because Casas was a, a 2080 or 3100 guy, and you know that's a that's a big part of it. But all right, so let's get on to some uh, comments that I, I think were mostly made by Cora. Maybe Bloom weighed in on them. But um, Christian Arroyo is going to be our second baseman. Kike Hernandez will p- basically be our primary shortstop. So the big takeaway for me is they're not going after anybody. They're not going to make another. We're not getting an Elvis Andrews type guy that we've been talking about the last few shows. Um it's gonna be someone off the scrap heap in case Arroyo gets hurt is, is basically what you're getting and they're hoping that Trevor Story will be back more sooner than later. But go ahead, Jason. Is that is that risky? Is that is that good enough? You know, up the middle?
1: It's definitely not good enough and I'm not a fan of it. It's too risky. Um you're counting on Christian Arroyo who cannot stay healthy. He just can't. He, he's never been able to. And I don't trust Kike to stay healthy. if He's playing shortstop full time. I think that's a much more physically demanding position than playing center field. So, and you know, we saw him get hurt last year. He hurt his hip last year. So, I, I don't love that plan. I wish they would just go out and give Andrews, like Elvis Andrews, like two million bucks. You know, do do what you did with Rymo Tapia. Give him that kind of contract and just bring him in. Just bring me some depth because it just feels like they're relying on those two up the middle, and then, well, if something fails, we've got Russ Snyder. Rob Russ Snyder was really good off the bench for you last year, but let's not forget, this, that guy was, like, almost out of baseball before he signed with the Red Sox and then kind of had a career renaissance with them. So I don't love relying on him either. I, I just, why not just go out and sign a guy like Elvis Andrews, who I don't think is going to cost you much, and he, he's a much more natural shortstop than Kike Hernandez is for sure. Um, that way you have a Kike, Christian Arroyo kind of, you know, platoon at second base, or maybe just Kike plays there full time. He's more used to being a second baseman than a shortstop, I think. So maybe he's more comfortable there and, you know, maybe you move Arroyo around something like that. But just a small move like that gives you so much more flexibility. And I don't understand why they're not doing it. Now there are some moves I don't want them to do. Like I saw, today that, you know, the the rumblings around Song Kim from San Diego. Decent player, but, you know, everyone was saying, well, San Diego wants Tanner Houck and Bobby Dahlbeck. I'm not giving up Tanner Houck for that guy. Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, you can give me a bag of used baseballs for Bobby Dahlbeck. I don't care about that. But they want Tanner Houck? No. Song Kim's not not worth that. And honestly, you, you look at the numbers, Andrews was a better player last year. So I just don't know why they're not doing it. Whether it's Andrews or Jose Iglesias, like those guys are out there, and they're not going to cost you much, and it just gives you so much more security and reliability up the middle, and they're they're just for whatever reason they're not doing it. And like you said, they're banking on Trevor Story being backed by the All Star break. I'm not convinced of that. Like I, I, everything you hear about this this surgery and the recovery time is like, yeah best case, absolute best case, perfect scenario, is that he's back by the All-Star break. This is Boston. This is the Red Sox. We should know better by now. I don't think he's going to be back by the All-Star break. It's going to be James Paxton all over again. We're going to be hearing, you know, oh yeah, Trevor Story's starting to take round balls, you know, in July. And oh yeah, no, he's making his way back. And then we just won't hear a peep. And they'll shut him down at some point, And by then they might be out of it anyway, so who cares? But yeah, I'm not a big fan of the plan at all. I don't think it's going to work.
0: Cody.
2: Hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's, it's a huge gamble on health. Um, that being said, you know, Arroyo at second base, I like a lot better than Arroyo in the outfield. Um, the, the times that we have seen him, I thought he has you know, been a great spark, a great chemistry guy, great clubhouse guy, you know, um, big time, heart, big time hustle kind of player. Great for the infield. Um, you know, if that pushes Kike to short, Arroyo second base, great. But, you know, we haven't had a great track record of success in, in medical history with this organization, not necessarily even these players, right? Like, it's like, it'd be one thing if our medical staff was gangbusters and, and you know, kept guys healthier, kept guys off of the um, the injured list. But that's just not, that's not the reality that we live in. And, you know, Jason mentioned the same thing. You know, I think we see the same thing with Story as, as we did with Paxton, where, you know, things are pointing towards, uh, you know, we're going to get him back. He's going to go on a, a minor league assignment and then, you know, a flare-up or a setback or something like that, and he's shut down for the season. Um, you know, if it if it, costed, if it costs Hauk and Dahlbeck to, to get on Kim, I mean, I would pack Dahlbeck's bags personally, but I don't want to see Hauk leave for, you know, uh, a mid-level shortstop that I don't think solves the problems that we're currently facing. I think there's other holes in this team where, you know, if we needed to flip Help for something I would hope to get a little bit more in return. Um, they keep mentioning that there's moves that they're still willing to make or, you know, that we're not done yet or we're going to bring in somebody else. And I'm interested to see who that is. I really hope it doesn't hurt the the current team and that we don't have to ship off any any major league-ready talent because, you know, much like Arroyo, when we've seen help, he's been good in pretty much whatever role we put him in. He was a great starter two times through the lineup. Don't know why they wouldn't let him take his lumps, get the third time through in a lost season. Um, and then they moved him into the bullpen, and he flourished there as well when he was able to pitch before he had the, the back injury. So, um, you know, Halk is... And you, anytime you label somebody the Chris of something, it's got to be good. and I don't see why you'd want to get rid of that guy.
0: I love... Christian Arroyo, but I'm still as pessimistic as you guys are in terms of him staying healthy. He did play 87 games in uh, 2022. I don't remember him going on the injured list. He probably did once for something minor, but he was pretty healthy last year. And you know, 85 to 90 games, that's good. That's that's how you want to utilize Christian Arroyo to, to keep him healthy. Part of what might have kept him healthy, too, was playing the outfield. As Jason said, there's less wear and tear when you're out there. And it wasn't pretty, but I did feel like it was trending, you know, the right way. He had that embarrassing game where he lost the ball, you know, in the, in the twilight. You know, 8 o'clock in the summer is a, is a tough time to, to play at Fenway because you, you can lose it. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if third week of April he's out with a hamstring injury or a hand injury or, or something. You know, that's just the nature of the beast with him. He's just not, uh, not a durable guy. So when he's healthy, he's he's a ball of energy uh, you know and at times even an electric factory at the plate he's had some big hits and um and even defensively at second base he's not much behind where Dustin Pedroia was I mean Dustin Pedroia is the best we've ever seen you know in, as far as franchise history but Arroyo you know might, might be a notch below him but has the same grit and can make plays and it's fun to watch i mean if only that guy could stay healthy you know he would be a huge asset to a team but unfortunately uh, hopefully trevor story comes back and he got that they call it a bracing procedure that's similar to tommy john but it's not quite tommy john and like jason said i'm sick of waiting until july for an impact player we needed right away. I'm so sick of that. And, uh, you know, sale came back basically on track in 2021. And I don't know, started what six or eight games, something like that. But, you know, last year, you know, setback after setback and, and Paxton as well. I'm just so tired of, of winging it in, in a key area. And the painful thing to me will be, what if what if the bracing procedure didn't work, and then he needs actual Tommy John? Because the procedure he had done, it's only been done a handful of times, and for the most part, it has been successful. But if they really think he, he was going to miss most, if not all, of the season, just get Tommy John. Just get actual Tommy John and have a nice, durable elbow for the rest of your career with no second guessing. So it's frustrating and I'll be surprised if we're still in it by the time he's ready to come back. I just I was screaming from the mountaintops the last winter to to sign him. You know, why why pay 300 for Correa when you can pay 140 for Trevor Story and get most of Correa's production. So those are the those are the signings I'd rather make, and um, you know it's it so far it's been be careful uh, what you wish for. Uh, as for Kike, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be serviceable. I don't. It's hard to be much worse than Xander Bogarts at shortstop. I mean, Xander wasn't great. Let's face it. He he would come up and you know make some plays every now and then, but. Um, wasn't super great. And the key line from Kike this weekend was that he's been waiting his whole life to be a major league shortstop. You know, that's what he was when he was a kid. And I think coming up through the earlier stages of the minors, that's where he played. So I'm less pessimistic there. I I think he's healthy. This is a contract year for him. And I think he wants to make the most of it and, you know, maybe get a, you know, a four year $60 million deal somewhere in that vicinity, um, you know, next winter from, from a team that, that could use him. And he'll be motivated to, cause this is a chance for him to market himself as a, as a viable middle infielder and, if the team that pursues him sees him more as an outfielder, that's fine too, because he's borderline elite defensively. So I'm I'm not overly pessimistic there. I'm probably less optimistic about um, Adam Duvall's you know ability to stay healthy. He's been dinged up uh, you know in three of the last four years. So um, I think he might have had like a hand injury this past year, something like that. But um, but yeah, health is definitely a concern for the Red Sox. Uh, any more thoughts before we move on? Nope. Okay. Chris Sale says he's a full go for the Red Sox. Um, a lot of I I I got the I didn't see any audio of Chris Sale, so I, I don't know what his tone was, but it was a lot of poor me type comments. You know, it's been a tough few years. I've mostly been a minor leaguer because that's where he's done a lot of his uh, rehab type stuff. Um, you know, a multitude of, of different injuries. But yeah, so w- w- what are your takes? Are you, are you more optimistic, Jason, that, that Chris sales a full go? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no
1: shot. You could not, yeah, there's nothing you could do to make me optimistic about Chris Sale. Um, you can show me all the workout videos. You can send me all the quotes. Um, look, I, I don't hate Chris Sale as an athlete or a person. I think he actually believes what he says. And I think that he is a guy who wants to be out there, wants to make 30 to 35 starts, wants to be a, a Cy Young candidate again, wants to be winning. But it it just, you can talk all you want. But at the end of the day, we need to see you out there on the mount. So I just, I'm at the point where like, when he first got here and when he first got hurt and he started making comments like that, you went, okay, well, at least he's, he's got good character and you can see why he's probably well liked in the clubhouse. He's not being, you know, a bad teammate about it. He's not, you know, uh, he's not being a distraction, but I don't know. So many years into it now, I'm just kind of like, dude, I I don't care. I I don't care what he has to say. Are you going to, like, is he on the mound on opening day or not? That's what I want to know. And unfortunately, we won't know until spring training starts up and he starts ramping up. And if he can make it through spring training without any setbacks or falling off any bikes or getting hit by an asteroid, then hopefully he's he's on the mound opening day. And then, then his comments carry more weight because then he'll follow through. But if he's just going to talk and talk and then, you know, March rolls around and it's, oh, Chris Sale suffered a setback today. He's going to be shut down for 10 days. Then you just throw your arms up and you go, here we go again. It's the Chris Sale experience all over again. So look, it's, it, it sucks. It's not necessarily his fault. You know, he's got a violent delivery and he's, the thinnest guy of his stature I've ever seen. So stuff like this was going to happen. Red Sox knew this when they traded for him. They also knew that when they signed him to that stupid extension, which I know you bring that up a lot, but it's fair. Like it's, you know, you knew this guy was a ticking time bomb and you handed him all that money anyway. So as much as I'm frustrated with him, I'm more frustrated with, uh, upper management's decision to give him that deal and the fact that we're still dealing with the Chris Sale saga all these years later I'd much rather that he was on a different team and someone else was dealing with it but look if he's there on opening day and he's pitching great if not dude just close your mouth do your rehab and just stop stop saying oh you know I want to be out there I want to be out there because you're not out there so it, it really doesn't matter to us anymore
0: Cody.
2: The interesting thing to me in the whole Chris Sale saga is we we couldn't get this guy to give us an interview when he was pitching 200 innings, striking out 250 batters, being a perennial Cy Young candidate. It's now that he's had all this time where he's rehabbing or you know riding bicycles poorly. Uh, that we get to hear from him. And, you know, I think he's the same person that he's always been. It's just now we have the chance to hear from him, right? He's not doing his pitching program. He's not doing his rehab or his, um, you know, off-day regimens. And, and so we get to, you know, peek behind the curtain a little bit more. Um, we're committed to him. You know, it was a decision that we made to, to sign him for the contract extension that Jason mentioned, and we got to live with it. So call it the optimist in me. Call it, you know, the person that w- wants to try to see light at the end of whatever this tunnel is we're left with no no choice but to believe him, right? I mean, if he says he's all go, he's never been a guy that, that kind of lies to us. and You know, he's never said, oh, arm feels great, and then shuts himself down. Uh, you know, he says arm feels great, and then punches a TV, and you're like, well, that's not great. Or, you know, things are looking great, and he takes a line drive off the hand. He has had some bad luck. Uh, you know, call it what it is, he has had some weird injury history recently. Um, his arm is is younger than he is, right? You know, he's missed a majority of the last three seasons, so that's, you know, 30 starts a year that he hasn't been throwing. Um, you know, he's got a surgically repaired elbow, I believe, and, you know, some some shoulder rehab that he's been doing. And if he says he's coming back and he's feeling strong, uh, maybe it's just, you know, a soft spot from seeing how dominant he was when we first got him and always been a fan of him pitching when he was in Chicago. I really hope that he is even, you know, a shell of his of former self because, honestly, at this point in time, the rotation could really use that help or really use that boost. And, and we're in no position to say, you know, Chris Sale, keep your talents to yourself. We, we've got these other guys that we can turn to to get 180 innings or, you know, turn the ball over to this bullpen that we're, you know, going to trust for this season. So, um, you know, if he says he's good, you know, let's, let's see what happens when pitchers and catchers report, which is creeping up on us. So that's always a good... Update to get and and hopefully you know we can just hope for the best as as an organization.
0: This was a tweet I had on March twenty second, twenty nineteen, and the reason that date's important that was the day his extension was announced, his five year extension, which was set to begin after his twenty nineteen uh, option was exercised. So it was essentially a six year uh, commitment. Here, I I titled it Tough Questions, Tough Answers, and Red Flags. Here are the questions I gave. I said, does Chris Sale have issues with stamina? Yes, he does. Has Chris Sale limped to the finish line the last three straight years? Yes, he did. Has Chris Sale looked like crap the last two postseasons? Yes, he did. Uh, Were there previously serious concerns about the awkwardness and violence of chris sales delivery yes there was did it only take a year and a half after the trade for these injuries to crop up yes they did Uh, do players who are typically injury prone in their 20s spend much of their 30s also injured yes they do was it insanely stupid to not take one last good hard look at Chris sale before the end of that 2019 season? Yes it was and that September that's when the uh, you know the partial tear in his UCL was discovered and could they have signed him after 2019 anyway for a bigger discount? Yes, they could have. And then I ended it, the last question was, did the public relations nightmare following the botched John Lester negotiations factor into them hastily signing this deal? Yes, it did. And I was concerned, deeply concerned that the Red Sox went forward with that deal. And it has worked out way worse than I ever could have imagined on that day. It's worked out so bad. And... You're just hoping to salvage something from it. And there's two separate things. And I've mentioned this recently, and I'll, I'll hammer on it through spring training. Chris Sale staying healthy is one thing. Pitching to a level of even a number two or number three pitcher at this point in his career is a whole different thing. He might be a mess on the mound. So... I'm not, he's, nothing he can say will, will make me comfortable, and, and Sale always has a a way of criticizing himself, you know, during interviews, after a bad performance, or after another injury, and that's old to me, because, yeah, it sounds good for five seconds, but he's really taking the easy way out, he's like, well, if I destroy myself, maybe they won't, you know, destroy me, and, Part of me is wondering this is just intuition. It's nothing, you know, I can ever prove or anything. But part of me thinks he might actually be comfortable on the injured list. And I think David Price was that way after 2017, you know, when he was feeling the pressure. Oh, I'm just gonna complain about something and and take a couple weeks off. And notably that happened uh, you know, a couple of times against the Yankees early in that 2018 season. You had the weird Fortnite carpal tunnel thing uh he took himself out of a game against the yankees in april um because he he was saying he couldn't feel his hand but immediately after the game he says his hand feels fine now so uh, there's just something about maybe living up to the contract and pressure i i think i think sale just if he's on the injured list he's out of sight out of mind so I think him or Paxton, one of them will not be ready opening day, and possibly both. But yeah, so I am buying no shares of Chris Sale uh, for 2023. Any other thoughts before we move on? The only one I had is that, like, when's the last time you
1: heard about Chris Sale? You know, working on something in the off season, like trying to build up his core strength or something. You don't hear that. Like, we heard this past offseason, Brian Bayo, you know, really worked hard at strengthening his legs because he thought it was really important as a starting pitcher. He's obviously not as tall as Chris Sale. He wanted to have very powerful legs so that he could withstand, you know, uh, the beating of having to throw, you know, 160-plus innings. Uh, John Lester, back in the day, did the same thing. He built up his core and built up his legs. You know, that's why he had had legs the size of tree trunks, you know, towards the end of his career, and he was always – Mr. Reliable, he was good for 160-plus innings every year, even later on. Um, other pitchers, you know, Justin Verlander completely reinvented himself because he was not healthy and he was sick of getting hurt. And look at him, at the, you know, at the age of 40, still doing it. So I don't – and, like, this was a similar thing we dealt with with Clay Buckles. Clay Buckles was always a wiry, thin guy, not really in great shape, And he would always get hurt and you would never hear about him saying, Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on you know, I'm gonna do a new like exercise routine to to put on more muscle and make sure I don't get hurt again. And he he never did that and he never had a long career after that. Because he just kept getting hurt and that was it. So where's that with Chris Sale? Like, is it just because he's Chris Sale and he, you know, the name brand is is enough and he goes, Oh, I don't need to change up my, my off season routine because I'm Chris Sale and I can just you know, even though I've missed all this time, I can just get back to my old form, you know, in, with a snap of a finger. Because that's annoying. Like, dude, if you keep getting hurt, and I get it, the line drive was not his fault last year. But he keeps getting hurt, and it's like, can you do something? Like, I, I would feel a lot better, instead of hearing him talk about, oh, I, you know, I, I want to be out there, and I feel bad for letting my teammates down. I would feel much better if he said, yeah, I actually started, you know, doing better core stuff, you know, in the offseason to try and build up more strength so that I can go out there and pitch 25 to 30 times this year and hold up and, and be there for my team. That would make me feel better. But you never hear that. So that that's why I'm with you. I'm, I'm not buying into it.
0: Cody?
2: I mean, I agree with you guys. Like, if, if Chris Sale was the white whale of a free agent starting pitcher and and we were deciding between, you know, uh, pursuing him versus going another route, I would not be buying into, you know, his off regimen or, or or these quotes as as well. I think you guys absolutely made some tremendous points and hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it, it's the fact that we have committed, you know, some of the, the limited resources that we do have and some of the financial inflexibility um, that we're currently, we'll, we'll call it currently facing, is because of this contract. So I, I, I'm left in a position where, like, I'm just choosing to be optimistic and in, in the hopes that we get anything because the money's gone. The money's spent. So let's let's hope something comes back because otherwise, boy, it's <laughs> the baseball season's not a short one.
0: <laughs> and another thing with Sale, he's going to be 34 by opening day. I, I think his birthday's in late March. And most great pitchers – you know they start to lose stuff, but they reinvent themselves. We, we've seen Clayton Kershaw; he's throwing low nineties. He's nowhere near the the Cy Young pitcher he he once was, and he won three or four Cy Youngs, I think, in the in the 2010s. Um, another guy who hung on through his late thirties, uh, Zach Grinke, um, you know, found a way to pitch pretty effectively um cc sabathia had a bit of a resurgence uh, late in his career so chris sale needs to figure that out and there's been no evidence of that in his brief stints back and he pitched more in 2021 than than last year obviously but he he looked like he was trying to be the same chris sale of 2017 2018 those days are over you know, people aren't swinging at his fastball up and away anymore because it's not a strike. So all he has is his slider down and in, and that's just not good enough. That's not good enough unless you're a reliever. So hopefully they figure something out. A new pitch, a, a variation of, of a pitch that he's throwing, I, I don't know what that's going to be. But, um, you know, they, they've got to do something because – He's going to be eighty pitches in the fourth inning, just about every time out, and that's that's tough to watch. So, all right, Red Sox uh, picked up a couple, uh, made a couple of minor moves. Uh, Raimel Tapia is here on a minor league deal. I think it's worth two million if he is um, promoted to the big league club. Uh, I'm not sure there's really a fit for him. Our outfield, you know, is pretty set with Verdugo, um, Adam Duvall, and, um, of course, Masataki Ishida. And you got Ref Snyder off the bench. So, I mean, maybe it's a good insurance policy if Duvall gets hurt, but I just don't know. But what kind of an impact do you think he could have, Jason?
1: Well, it depends. Um, so they signed him to a minor league deal, and he gets $2 million if he makes a big league roster, right? So it's one of those things where they're going to bring him in. It's a spring invite, and they'll see how he plays. I I mean, this is a guy who got a lot of playing time in Toronto last year and burned the Red Sox in quite a few <laughs> games. Um, certainly made Jaron Duran's life miserable that one night. Um, so he's a good player. I mean, he, he was good in Colorado. Um Again, not a power guy, just kind of a slap hitter. He's got decent speed. I don't know defensively how that, good he is. I think he's just a little bit average.
0: He, no, he was almost a negative one war last year. Okay, so, <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I mean, and that's a problem because Fenway is a difficult one to figure out unless you're in left field. Um, if, if they have visions of him playing center field or right, I don't love that for a guy who had a you know negative defensive war. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that he probably will make the roster just because of injuries and, and whatnot, but I'm not expecting a huge amount of impact out of them. I'm also surprised that they went after another left-handed bat as a depth, you know, uh, role guy, because it feels like they were so lefty-heavy to begin with, um, especially in the outfield until they added Duvall. So I'm not sure how much of an impact they'll have. It's one of those things where maybe it's they're taking a flyer, maybe they're hoping that, He does have a big impact, and maybe he's a trade candidate or a swap candidate. You know, maybe there's a team at the deadline that needs a a fourth outfielder, and the Red Sox need another reliever, and they just do a swap. Maybe it's something like that. So I don't hate it. It's low money. Might as well take take a flyer on the guy. But I'm not expecting huge things out of him.
0: Cody.
2: If this guy plays 81 home games, I'll be thrilled. Uh, I don't want to see him outside of Fenway. He wore us out every time we saw him last year. And, you know, this could be one of those, hey, if you can't beat him, join him kind of situations and bring him over to our side so we don't have to see him, especially for that price point, right? To, to not have to face him in Toronto, you know, granted it will be fewer times just here with the new schedule. Um, this is this is kind of like the Elvis Andrew moves of the outfield, right? It gives us a little bit of depth. It gives us a little bit of protection. if Verdugo breaks his foot again or Duvall, you know, has another, another injury or, you know, whatever ends up happening. It gives us a guy that we can put out there and say, Hey, at least he has major league experience, you know, granted negative one war isn't ideal, but we're not trying to put Arroyo and ref Snyder on the corners of the outfield. And, and again, just looking at the lineup card being like, who is this guy? Like we haven't heard him. This is a minor league call up or somebody that we signed off a scrap heap in the middle of the season. Um, you know, it's it's two million dollars, and that's incentive laden as well. It's not even like as soon as he makes the club, it's two million bucks. Um, for that kind of price point, um, I'm thrilled with it. I mean, he scores the ball all over the yard. He's got good speed, from what I remember, as well. Um, even if he ends up becoming, uh, oh man, the guy's name is—it's uh, falling off the top of my head here—but he was always a pinch a pinch runner late in the game. Um, we never saw him play the field.
0: Dave Ross.
2: Uh, no, no. Um, more recently, like the last three years.
0: Billy um, Hamilton?
2: Did we have Billy Hamilton?
0: No, no, not us. Okay. He was just a prolific base stealer. Oh,
2: of course, of course. There's, there's some guy that we had on our team that we would only see him in like eighth inning or later, and all he would do would just pinch run. And like occasionally he'd play the field. But like, even if he becomes that guy, that's fine by us because we have been snake bitten by base running as well. Um, I'm, I'm good with it. I mean far be it from this to to be the move to pull my hair out over.
0: (laughs) The only move that really makes sense to me is if he catches lightning in a bottle, just goes off in spring training. Uh, You know, I think he, the Red Sox can keep him in the minors through April or May or something like that. And if he's, if he's tearing it up down there, then maybe you get rid of ref Snyder. I just besides a, a key injury happening, I just don't see. I just don't see how he'll fit. You know, if Turner gets injured, okay, he can DH for you. If Duvall gets injured, well, you'll have three lefties in your outfield for <laughs> Dugo, uh, you know, Tafia and Yoshida. I, it's just, it's kind of a goofy fit, but we'll see. You know, some some things just work themselves out, and and. um it'll be interesting anyway. All right. The Red Sox also signed um, a reliever that uh, most recently played in the Tampa system. That's Ryan Sheriff. And the only article I read, you know, to, you know, get my notes on this, apparently he, he had some issues with depression and decided to step away from the game for a little while. And, um, he feels like he's got everything resolved, and he'll um, be 33 years old this year. Has only pitched 44 innings in his entire Major League career, never more than 14 and two-thirds in one season, So, and that happened to be 2021. Numbers are kind of all over the place. He does have a career 365 ERA in that short sample size, so it's it's a lottery ticket. But we've got uh, we've got a pretty good bullpen. there's I haven't been complaining at all uh, you know, ever since we signed uh, Kenley jansen and, and Chris Martin, but maybe I don't know maybe maybe you you cash in a winning lottery ticket with him. Jason thoughts?
1: yeah, I, I like that he's a lefty. Um, that's really I mean if you're gonna add depth at reliever, and you're going to take a flyer on a guy, he might as well be a lefty because your two top left-handed options right now are Jolie Rodriguez, who I think will be good, and Josh Taylor, which who the hell knows with that guy. I mean, he, he missed off last year, so we don't know what he's got left. You don't have Darwinson anymore. Um, so I like that he's a lefty, and, you know, he's he's a guy that I think um, – is obviously going to try his best. He's going to try to make the major league roster. Um, we'll see what he has left. Take a flyer on him. At least he's a lefty. If it works out, great. <laughs> you know, you, you got an under the radar signing there. If it doesn't, then you just either keep him in the minors or just let him go for nothing. So, again, another left handed arm is never a bad thing to have. Cody. I mean, we got the, the opposite problem with our bullpen as we do with our
2: starting lineup, right? You know, we're we're lefty heavy in the batter's box and we're righty heavy out of the bullpen. So, you know, Jason made another fantastic point. You know, it, you can never have too many arms that can pitch at a major league level, right? Something's going to happen. You're going to have a guy that doesn't, you know, isn't able to put it together this year, gets, a, gets an injury. You know, roles are shifting. You need to move a guy up to the rotation or, you know, there's always moving pieces. Things are moving around. And to have to have more guys to to throw out to get outs, uh, I'm great with it. You know, Terry, you kind of mentioned it. If we you know catch lightning in a bottle, get a lottery ticket, we can move him for something of value value at the trade deadline if necessary, or you know keep him here with us if he is you know this year's um, Shriver. So uh, very low investment on him as well. Why not? I mean, at this point in time in the off season, there aren't really any big fish and there are a few big fish to begin with so uh, i'm good with with the numbers approach
0: cody stole my thunder i was gonna say schreiber came out of nowhere so you know perhaps a guy like sheriff or or another one that jason mentioned uh Joey rodriguez perhaps you can recreate uh, you know a schreiber type situation with one of those two players um, as long as we have one lefty, as long as one emerges, I'm good with that. Josh Taylor did show flashes of a guy who could be a solid lefty at some point. So, if he comes into spring training and is healthy and looks good, then you know my my pessimism uh, drops significantly for a guy like Taylor. But, um. But we gotta, we, we got to see him pitch uh, some innings in February and March before, before we're comfortable with that. Uh, Rays made two notable signings, uh, former Red Sox guys. They signed Heath Hembree and uh, Colton Brewer. I don't know the uh, financials on either of those, but um, they're going to, at the very least, be down in Florida with them for spring training and... I think one of them is going to work out. That's how it is. Remember when we got their 14th-ranked prospect, their catcher there, Hernandez, and uh, we gave them Chris Mazza and Jeff Springs and laughed about it, and then Jeff Springs ends up being pretty good, and Hernandez probably won't see the light of day in Boston. So, uh, you know, Tampa always seems to be able to identify something. Hembry, you know, comes with some... You know, bad durability and, and Brewer, I think, is up there. He was older when we got him, but what do you think, Jason?
1: Yeah, I think uh, they're both up there because uh, Henry's 34, going on 35 now. Um, I mean, Henry couldn't stay in the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen. That's how bad he was last year. The Pirates didn't even want him, and they have no pitching whatsoever. Um, I agree with you, though. Like, it, it's Tampa. They just. They figure it out somehow. I I would put my money on Colton Brewer being the one that they figure out. I think Brewer has better stuff, um, so I, I think that they can they can figure something out there. They've got a good pitching program, so I think he'll at least be serviceable. I think Henry is just a warm body for them to try out and see if they can resurrect anything out of him. But I think that guy's cooked. So I I would expect Colton Brewer. You'll see you'll see him more than you'll see Henry this year for the race.
0: Brewer is actually only 30. I thought he was like at least 34, 35. So um, younger than I certainly thought. But uh, go ahead, Cody.
2: I'm not too flummoxed about either one of them. If they're able to find some sort of resurgence or, you know, gain some traction, hopefully it's not against us. You know, I, I wish them all the best. Um, I, you know, I, Both of these guys, I mean, Henry obviously had that that pretty strong stretch for us there for a while and then um, pretty much fell off the face of the planet after the Pavetta trade. And, you know, I guess that's a win in in the Bloom column (laughs) Uh, just based off of the performance, not necessarily arm for arm talent. Um, uh, I'm not sweating either one of their performances. Um, You know, if Tampa finds something, you know, some spin rate or, or, or whatnot, then hey, all the credit to them because they certainly didn't didn't show any signs of it here the last couple years
0: i remember when we got brewer from the padres and people were raving about it and he had only pitched one year with them and it was very abbreviated just nine and two thirds had a five and a half era and i'm thinking what am i missing on this guy why is everyone so excited and then He showed up in uh, 2019 and not super great. You know, a 4.12 ERA over the course of uh, 58 relief appearances. You know, you could certainly do worse than that. And then 2020, the abbreviated year, 561 ERA. And he pitched one whole inning in 2021 for the Red Sox. And got torched four earned runs in that one inning, so I don't. Perhaps he was injured or whatever, and that's why he only pitched that inning. But if Tampa, Tampa, you know, gets one of them to be a key reliever in their pen in the sixth or seventh inning, then more power to them. So, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap? Get ready
1: for it. There's going to be a April or May game. Rays beat the Red Sox three two, and Colton Brewer gets the save. <laughs> I'm sure Twitter will
2: be a safe space on that on that day. <laughs> oh, it'll be great. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we'll see. Um, I don't really have much more to add. It looks like we're about what three weeks away from pitchers and catchers. It's usually right around Valentine's Day, so. Um, for the listening audience, uh, it'll, today will be January 24th. So we're getting there. Our team is unsettled. We hate a lot of aspects about it, but maybe they'll surprise us. I'm still for anyone calling this team, the 2013 Red Sox. I'm just stop. Get that, get the hell out. You know, I, am not getting those vibes at all. Where's John Lester? Who's going to pitch your 30 starts? Where's John Lackey? You know, two studs, by the way, in the postseason. Who's going to hit 688 in the World Series for you? I just, yeah. So, anyway, all right. Again, we will wrap on that. Everybody have a, uh, hopefully, a good start to your week. Take care.